Dear Rabbit Hole Dwellers, welcome back to yet another week of Rabbit Hole Stories. Today we had Roberto on the show. He gave us an insight into his Rabbit Hole story. He's the co-founder of Wiser and developer in the space as well. And he gave us a little bit uh, of spiel about education within Bitcoin and what it's like to work in the Bitcoin space uh, when it comes to blockchains and that kind of side of things. So, Joel, what did you take away from it, bro? I think the number one thing I took away is that, you know, we all have to make ends meet or trying to find mm. ways to earn a bit of a living and to then stack in sats. And yeah, he explained like they did work on a couple of blockchain projects, but, you know, this paid the bills, this allowed them to then get started with Wiser. So it was a very healthy conversation there to see um, also the difference between blockchain, like Polygon, Ethereum, Solana shit and compared to Bitcoin. So good episode. And I think without rushing, people should be able to listen in now. So guys, as always, stay curious and have fun with this one. Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting episode with Rabbit Hole Stories. And today we have Renato Scher on. You're one of the founders from Staynote. How has your day been so far, Renato? Uh, it has been exciting. Talk to some potential clients and uh, to the devs, obviously. Uh, good day so far. I'm curious, are you a dev as well or more on the client side, management side? I used to be a dev. Not a good one, but I used to be one. I had uh, three jobs as a dev. But uh, since then, I just saw that uh, it's more valuable for me to communicate with devs, bring the uh, yeah the needs of the clients to the devs in a way that is functional to them. Because oftentimes, this translation between client and uh, developer can uh, <laughs> prove tricky. And uh, yeah, that's mainly what I do now. <laughs> You often see these kind of uh, memes online about uh, the developer and client relationships, right? <laughs> about the yeah, uh, exactly. developer having these meltdowns about their clients sort of demanding changes all the time. Have you experienced that yourself? Yeah, demanding changes or uh, even worse, not even knowing exactly what they want in the first place. And then you have to make a guess, go back to them, then they want the change, uh, which is nice. It's just part of the process. But as a dev, you don't really have the nerve to try to guess what uh, people want so having someone in between that breaks down the features that might be interesting and make sure that everything is is structured in a way that makes sense also to code later on uh, yeah that's something that's needed great it's nice to get a reflection back there that those sort of memes are reality but Ronaldo, welcome to rabbit hole stories uh, thank you for um, sacrificing your finite time to uh, delve into this episode with us and uh, the premise of the show is your rabbit hole story and how you discover Bitcoin, what you're doing in the space now. So I think that's a good uh, starting point for all of us here. So why don't you just give us an introduction into your Bitcoin journey, sir? Yeah, sure. So um, I think it's a pretty usual journey in the sense that it starts with regret. So uh, back in 2012, I came across Bitcoin the first time. Uh, I was interested in it enough in it, funnily enough, to to look into it and try to understand it. I, I got relatively quickly that it can serve as an international settlement payment asset, uh, but I still dismissed it. And then a couple months later, I even made a comment on, uh, on Reddit early on, uh, recommending it to someone else, but didn't bought any because I was interested in the technology, but didn't make the additional step to buy it. Um, and that's where uh, the regret that later funneled into action to learn about it came from. Then in 2017, I, I started my, my deep dive, 
made the detour to through the altcoin territory and uh, in the last four years really uh, become more and more serious about bitcoin as the one uh, asset that uh, holds the most promise also in the yeah in in terms of a financial revolution and not just some technology so you you are actually like the so you are actually like the meme guy i'm in it for the technology you're not like (laughs) if you post that meme that is actually you (laughs) um yeah i i would say i I got in for the technology, but I stayed for the uh, monetary policy in a way. So the technology is also what's, I I think, what's the reason why a lot of people do the altcoin detour first, because it seems like there's a lot happening, a lot of innovation in the system. I mean, that's to judge in the end by the market if there's uh, enough value in these innovations to to sustain them. But over the long run, I think uh, people... Uh, you see altcoins as a let's call it a gateway drug to to understand bitcoin more deeply and because of that i'm i'm more of the opinion that it should be like a darwinian uh like cycle over time the strongest asset will survive and freedom freedom to shitcoin basically if you want to call it like that let's have this ecosystem evolve sure but i i'm of the pretty strong opinion that over over the time, it will all consolidate into Bitcoin, or most at least. But well, you mentioned that it's a kind of like a Darwinian process. So I already had a question lined up in mind, and that is, um, is it necessary for people to go through that regret stage like you did or, or um, go through some kind of pain in order to understand the value of Bitcoin? Do you think that's a necessary hurdle in, in everyone's journey? Or do you think some people can just sort of get it straight away without having the difficult journey what do you think about that yeah yeah i i hope that they don't (laughs) have to take the the difficult path Uh, but just from the conversations i've had so far with people in the space it turned out that for most people i talk to there is some considerable amount of regret either by missing it or by losing it in stupid ways and having to learn a couple of things um involved in the whole learning journey which is one of the reasons why we we started to build wiser uh, because we start to get the same questions over and over again as bitcoiners after some time mostly when the the price is going up and so it's also in a way self-serving that now i can just point people there and say hey if you want to learn more that's that's the way to do the deep dive and um the the hope is that errors can be avoided in the first place uh by by education but i see that education doesn't scale as well because there are just a lot of people that don't want to invest the time and don't want to get it but at least we can like make the transition easier and offer an alternative to uh, to long-form content that was the main idea behind wiser yeah and i think it's working great if you actually use the app um we obviously had sanjana on and she explained very uh, deeply what the motivations and sort of the the aspiring concepts were behind the app. And if you do use it, you download it. Um, I also gave it to a few friends. It's not really Bitcoin only. It's also the whole financial literacy thing. And, you know, uh, people need to understand first why you actually need Bitcoin, right? Um, This is sort of in my day job, 99% of the stuff I need to think about, like, okay, how can we approach it as simple as possible before they actually get into, you know, I don't know, what's custody, self-custody, why do we need Bitcoin? Why is it hard capped? All of these things. So I think it's a well and all around service there. And 
you've mentioned you guys are uh, developing app, the app. You're building the app. You work. You uh, work for Saynote as the founder. What is Saynote all about? What are the reasonings behind what you guys do? Or can you maybe give us like a little? Let's do like a, a five minute pitch, yeah, <laughs> as if we were investors and we would look at the company. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the central thesis of Saynote is that if we want to get Bitcoin adoption, the majority of the population will adopt Bitcoin through mobile apps. That's basically the one thing. And what we do at Bit uh, at Saynote is we build intuitive mobile apps with Bitcoin integration. So that's that's basically the pitch. If we think that Bitcoin will be uh, we will reach the goal of hyper-Bitcoinization. We believe that most people will not do that by using a hardware wallet or a, a desktop wallet, but they will use mobile, the tool that they use every day anyways. And if we can create uh, mobile apps with intuitive UI UX that follow the design patterns that they already know, then this is uh, what will, that's the goal that Zaynode has. And also applying Bitcoin across different domains, because in my view, Bitcoin is the ultimate tool to align incentives, human incentives overall. And this can be applied over different domains. For example, in Wiser, we align the incentives of the user to stay focused on learning and educating themselves by giving them small rewards in Bitcoin, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, loot chests, where they can, in loot boxes, uh, in order to overcome the usual drive to distract themselves. And th in that way, Bitcoin, and also in the macroeconomic sense, the hope is that it aligns the incentives of people all over. And Saynote wants to build the apps that the, the, the users will ultimately use. You've got a challenge on your hands, I, I think, because, um, of, well, in the sense that most people everywhere now, particularly in the West, are constantly glued to their screens, right? They're on their mobile phones um, all the time. And there's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of um, things that they can just sort of uh, get, their <laughs> get their dopamine fix on, on, on the apps and things like that. So I, I suppose your, your challenge, I think, is uh, retention, keeping people's um, attention on, on the apps. And other than the incentives built into the earning sats when you're sort of doing this gamified um, learning, how how challenging is it to sort of keep people um, on your app and educate themselves in, in Bitcoin? You're right. That's, that is the big challenge of app design overall and app development. But um, in a way, it's also helpful because we, we already see the solutions to this problem because other apps do it pretty well. Uh, you, you have the gamification elements, you have to... Uh, capture their attention you have to make intuitive uis that uh, don't even allow the people to drop off by making it as simple as possible so by using the same mechanisms that the uh, the big players and big tech use to capture your attention by just employing the same uh, mechanisms but using it for something that benefits the user the, the idea of course is that uh, there's still some semblance of uh, intrinsic motivation uh, in inside of the people that they will choose the alternative that at least rewards them with with some bitcoin that they've heard about even if they're just curious about it um over the alternative that just gathers their data and sells it so that's that's one aspect of what we're trying to do and I think in the Bitcoin community, there is a bit of a consensus on this by now. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was still more uh, based on uh, 
we need the techies that build the incredible protocols and very sophisticated uh, schemes and how to manage your Bitcoin, like building Bitcoin solutions for Bitcoiners. But we are strongly of the belief that we need to build solutions for no coiners that are simple enough that they want to use Bitcoin. Um, of, of course, it's a bit of a trope because everybody wants to do that. But I think I read it on Noster recently that um, Bitcoin has a lot of technical talent. Uh, what's sometimes lacking in the Bitcoin apps that we have is, is uh, design talent, UI, UX, uh, uh, people that are mindful of the UI, UX, and just marketing and sales as well. Because these are the areas that more traditional Bitcoins shy away from more naturally, not to paint the too generalistic picture, but usually that's with the products we have right now the case. 100% and if you actually look at the way um, if some uh, money is distributed into the Bitcoin system and we can talk about this later uh, a lot of it goes actually into like the hardcore development stuff you know um, I don't know we want different layer solutions different uh, address formats different functionality things but very very little money actually goes into design um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a shift like you said I mean even when you spoke before about hardware or computer wallets um, you now see stuff for example like BitKey the I don't know if you want to call it a hardware wallet for me it looks more like an AirTag by Block but it is a Bitcoin wallet essentially and it has the functionality of you know a, a sort of tap and go uh, thing if you like where normal people can interact with their phone with it um, and then yeah it's up to us to actually do good designs and think of ways to you know tell them like hey if you need to enter your seed phrase make sure it's like as much offline as possible um, we've had previous guests who actually explained like you can't really do 100% air gapped anyway and like air gapped is a different way of um, measuring is it really offline or is it just air gapped from the the from clear net from like the regular internet um yeah, all of these things, I think the more you can build these things into it, the better. But I want to quickly shift to what I mentioned. You guys, obviously, uh, you develop with the goal of getting more people into Bitcoin. But I guess it's a hard road to get there because, again, if there's one thing that we really lack in the ecosystem, it's that big influx of money you probably usually see in like blockchain businesses, Web3, crypto, whatever you want to call it. Um, How is that for you? Do you take on gigs to get more into Bitcoin or what is sort of the path there? Yeah, so the, the road we've chosen for Sayonote is that we have a we have a base layer of project-based mandate work that we do for clients in order to have a have a solid foundation to stand on and uh, uh, also pay out the salaries to our devs. And then on top of that, with all the overcapacity we have, we try to pursue our own products. And through that, we in a way, subsidize the own products at first until we find the the, the right um, product market fit and can scale them up, hopefully, to uh, reach more and more people. So this is the way we've chosen to subsidize this. Um, there's different approaches. Uh, the, Bit uh, the Bitcoin VC landscape is also quickly changing, but it just... Uh, with current market conditions, it's uh, it's of course uh, a bit rough with the high interest environment to raise additional capital. But we are fortunate enough there that we have some uh, uh, clients that trust us, that trust the work that we do, and that uh, made it possible for us to sustain ourselves and focus on on, on improving and uh, building uh, more more apps that hopefully will reach a more broad audience over time. 
Yeah, that's super interesting. And um, I think because for me, I'm, I'm very focused um, on, on the Bitcoin ecosystem. And I went through the whole kind of altcoin phase like most people did as well. And at the time, I was kind of sort of trying to catch up on all the sort of progress and the developments and this and that and the other that was going on in all these different spaces and their use cases and things like that. Um, is, is it pretty much the same out there as it as it always has been because you know it's just a marketing for me a lot of the altcoins are just like a, a marketing tool and they're trying to sell you something um what what actual real developments are happening out there if any um because you're, you you seem to have your finger on that on that pulse more than probably i do yeah somewhat i'm, I'm trying to shift uh, the strategic orientation of saying you know, more and more towards towards bitcoin as, as much as possible but there are still developments happening and i think we shouldn't dismiss it uh, outright because i think some of these things will lead to innovation happening on different Bitcoin layers. For example, one thing I'm quite excited about is Rootstock as a, as a sidechain of Bitcoin that's EVM compatible, not because I particularly like the, uh, the Ethereum virtual machine, but because it allows us to tap into the huge developer base that Ethereum has uh, while still being on Bitcoin and being able to move up to the base chain. So that's something I'm quite excited about. We participated in the, in the hackathon of Rootstock during the summer. And yeah, for example, that's one thing I'm quite excited about because it, in my view, over the long term, things will consolidate more and more onto Bitcoin rather than different altcoins. And I see uh, Rootstock as a nice way to ease the transition and while still benefiting from the work that has been done on the, on the other blockchains and apply this in a way that uh, can benefit Bitcoin, not on the base chain, obviously, but uh, applications downstream on the different uh, additional layers. So Rootstock, I'm, I'm planning to do more work in the future. And um, yeah, um, Lightning, obviously, we use in Wiser and um, haven't done too much work on Liquid, but it's also a, a quite interesting um, opportunity we see there. It's just really about finding out where where's the market? How can we monetize on these products? For example, with Wiser, uh, so far, we've mostly monetized on the educational aspect of the app with people subscribing, pledging, uh, which also allows us to keep the content free for all the, uh, all the users that do not want to uh, um, subscribe and uh, do the pledge. Um, but finding business models that work with Bitcoin is uh, somewhat tricky. And also the startup ecosystem in Bitcoin, I think one of the reasons why it, it's not such a vivid VC landscape like in altcoins, for example, is because uh, we do have this great alternative of Bitcoin itself. So you need to convince everyone to invest in your startup because you need to outperform Bitcoin rather than just holding Bitcoin. So the whole time preference thing and resetting the baseline of expectations for returns makes it much harder, I think, uh, to, to succeed as a Bitcoin startup. Than, uh, than benefiting from uh, the, the, the VC money in, in other chains, I, I think. So, yeah, having this alternative asset, uh, Bitcoin, instead of investing into a Bitcoin startup, really, I think, recalibrates the, the risk tolerance for a lot of the uh, liquidity providers. So, 
that means that you really have to find a problem that you solve, provide a solution that works in order to have a business model that is sustainable over the long run. And that's a challenge, of course, but we, uh, the, the central, ten, uh, central belief that adoption will move more to mobile, I think, is enough for us to, to find uh, interesting, interesting apps that we can build. Yes, and I think what we um, as a Bitcoin community sometimes also forget is we do want to approach the, you know, mom and pops, the people who, I don't know, they maybe have some gold, they maybe have some stocks and they go like, oh, I lost some money on that stock. I maybe maybe broke even after like two, three years um, or I completely overdid it with X, Y and Z. And let's just get into, into some Bitcoin and they're not going to read. First of all, they're not going to read the white paper, although <laughs> it would be cool. Um, they're not gonna. <laughs> they're not gonna go out there onto Bitcoin Twitter. They just go into the App Store. They look for Bitcoin Wallet. Uh, these things. They maybe look for it on Google and you know try to come up with some stuff. So the simpler I think the transition from I want to invest some money into it is, the easier the adoption will be. And you know this maybe also goes into these things like custody, self custody. Obviously, working at a self-custody company, uh, we highly encourage people to end up there, but we also know it is a journey for most people. So, you know, immediately writing down these words, just like blasting them as the first screen in your app is probably not the best idea, but having a smooth onboarding in these things, um, this is probably what will help in the next few waves. Because, um, you know, think about all the ETF investors who now look at the ETF and go like, oh, I can invest into Bitcoin. Then you go like, no, you actually don't. But like, you know, it's a start to get you there um, and to maybe make that transition a bit easier. Um Anything to add from your end there? Yeah, that that goes the back to ETF the situation. Yeah, that goes back to the to the thing we discussed before. That do people have to get burned in order to get it? Maybe yes, maybe yes. So maybe some people have to go into the ETF first, and then maybe one of them needs to go bust in order to like take the next step on the on this journey. So I think it's a step by step process, and um, the smoother we can create the transition by by trying to assist with education and user-friendly products, the better. But we can't avoid that people will burn themselves, I think. And um, also regarding uh, the going step-by-step step with the user and not throwing too much at them at the beginning, I also think that's crucial. For example, one of the things that we want to do at Wiser and that's on our roadmap is that as you level through the, the app, we unlock different areas of the app. Maybe we prompt you at level three. Yeah, maybe now is a good time to think about self-custody. Maybe now you should withdraw your sets from the uh, from the Wiser app itself and just go as the as the user progresses and offer the things that will be relevant to them at that point. Yeah, I suppose what Wise is doing is is providing an opportunity for people to circumvent that pain, right? It's it's kind of coaxing them into educating themselves in in a fun way, um, and they can earn sats while they're doing it. And uh, the whole ETF route, I suppose, yeah, there, there's going to be a route that people are going to take, maybe a shortcut or a wrong turn where it's education in itself by making that mistake, right? And then you have to sort of learn from your mistakes. So I suppose there's going to be always. Um, a wave of people that are going to have to suffer in some way before they can really understand the value that Bitcoin has for them and everyone else. Um, I wanted to ask you, because um, you're, you're kind of um, probably the, the guy to ask uh, with the, you know, stay node and blocked, blocked uh, chain development that you do. 
Could you explain for maybe those people that don't know, or maybe just explain it um, as you see it, um, what is a blockchain and um, how um, is it different? Uh, how is Bitcoin different from any other? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good it? question because that's uh, that's also a part of the learning process. I think to see this crucial distinction, the way I see it, a blockchain in and of itself is just a data structure. This data structure allows you to do some stuff that you couldn't otherwise do. Uh, Bitcoin uh, itself uh, pioneered the blockchain, if we want to call it. There's this big discussion in the white paper. They call it time chain. And Satoshi only mentioned it in the forum. Uh, he only replied once to a thread calling it blockchain. So whether you want to use it interchangeably is, is a uh, matter of debate. But if you have a blockchain, it allows you to use this data structure to reduce trust in a system. If you if we simplify it out that there's differences between consensus algorithms, who is uh, able to write the, uh, to create the blocks, all of these things. But sadly, blockchain has just become a buzzword for multiple companies and also all coins to just praise things that they could potentially do. And uh, the main use case for a blockchain is uh, Bitcoin. It, it is one part that makes bit Bitcoin work. And uh, the difference between Bitcoin and blockchain, the way I would put it, is that Bitcoin combines a lot of very interesting concepts, one of them being the blockchain, in order to create an alternative monetary system. Uh, whereas the blockchains, they try out different stuff, like there's, there's the lab of how could we set it up differently? What if we don't have a supply cap? What if we don't use proof of work? Uh, there you can see a lot of variation in the altcoin market, but the one that stood the test of time uh, undoubtedly is Bitcoin. So that's the difference I would make. Bitcoin is truly decentralized, it's truly permissionless, it's truly censorship resistant, whereas many of these other chains are not. They might have some other trade-offs and advantages even in some cases, uh, but the way I see it, these advantages do not compensate for the lacks they have in other regards. And these advantages that other chains might have can be replicated on separate layers of Bitcoin. So the way I would like to see scaling is not through different chains, but through different layers that offer uh, these advantages that other chains do have. Uh, but the thing is because Bitcoin is the first uh, asset to truly Invent, invent or dis discover digital scarcity. Um, it's the one that has the biggest mind share, the biggest network effects, that has the right conditions, the right parameters. And I'm still amazed at how Satoshi got all of this right from the get, not from the get go, but pretty much from the get go. And because because Bitcoin has this big mind share market cap it's the one that will aggregate all the value over time. And I think these altcoins are interesting experiments in what you can do, and they offer some innovation. But because this can be replicated in separate layers, like we see with Rootstock, that's EVM compatible and allows for Turing complete smart contracts. Um, because of that, I think most value will accrue into Bitcoin rather than altcoins. Was that, was that an answer to the question? I, I rambled for quite a bit. <laughs> 
No, 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 perfect, perfect. Um, I, I can't remember which core developer it was, but someone once said, like, you know, altcoins are the test net for Bitcoin. And this is sort of how I look at it. Doesn't mean that, like, everything we do in Bitcoin is great. Uh, I, like you said, we, we actually sacrifice a lot of, um, I think, that first mover's advantage, stuff like Ethereum has with its layers and, you know, all of its uh, Web3 decentralized stuff. Um, where this is the things that VCs want to see, like, you know, connect one button, access to a huge ecosystem or liquidity or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's also, frankly, what's easier for most normies because it's more lucrative to, I don't know, buy an ape that then gains in value and then you sell, but you can somehow still have it in a decentralized manner, which just means you have access to a wallet with a private key. Um, rather than actually, you know, um, uh, yeah, taking the time, holding Bitcoin, not doing much with it, it's just sitting there. So I think that's a good um, good contrast between the things. Um, but speaking of NFTs, you know, even with Bitcoin now and this weird ordinal theory and whatever's been going on there, um, you do see in terms of actually involving stuff on the main chain, things that can work somehow. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm definitely not encouraging it. But you obviously have the scaling solutions. Um, are you guys particularly focusing on like one Bitcoin scaling solutions if clients come up to you? Like, for example, you say we only do Lightning or only do Liquid, or are you more generalized, open to accepting everything? You spoke about Rootstock before as well. Um, I don't know, maybe you guys are some like sidechain maxis or something, um, or doesn't it matter and you just, you just basically want to help out? Yeah, so um, I love the thing about uh, altcoins being the test net of Bitcoin. I'm going to steal that in future conversations. Um, and about w what what solution we uh, we provide. First of all, I, I look at Zaynode as a customer-centric business. So whatever the customer wants, as long as it aligns broadly with our values, we're going to provide it. Uh, we, of course, have the best interest of our customer in mind. So we will always advise him or her to, to use Bitcoin because exactly I... I really do believe that over the long run, it's the, the thing that's going to stay. Uh, but if they really want to build on something else, that's their decision. Uh, we are here to, to build the solution they want. And uh, in terms of which uh, layer we build on, uh, there as well, I'd like to think of ourselves as uh, not chain agnostic, but uh, implementation agnostic. Whatever does the best job for the client in its situation, that's what we're going to focus on. Of course, this is influenced by uh, the people that are working for us, the tech stack that we have. We're trying to evolve and stay up to date, but uh, right now it's still a bit dictated by that. And um, as I said, I think some of these thoughts are in a way secondary because what's lacking is not so much the foundational layer, the infrastructure layer, I believe, to build great products, but really the interface, the, the, the user experience, having it nicely done on a mobile app that still brings the benefits of these different layers to the user uh, while not um, forcing them to understand what's going on under the hood. I think that's the much more... Um, that's the much more relevant part for mass adoption than which side chain you use exactly. As long as it works for the user and it provides the benefits that Bitcoin does, it's a good solution. Um, of, of course, you have to always keep in mind the different trade-offs. There's a trade-off between yeah. uh, security and user experience. There's, there's so many different trade-offs, but in general, as long as you provide a good solution, that's more important than, the, than which exact 
way of delivering it you you choose yeah it's got me thinking about solutions and things and um, obviously bitcoin on its core layer the layer one and things like that it serves a purpose but right we, we it allows us to sort of develop new ideas upon it and sort of like test it and sort of um develop um, our needs upon it but do you do you see any solutions uh, that we need and don't yet have in bitcoin um and if so what are those solutions hmm yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, because uh, if I were a hundred percent sure about it, then of course I would try to build it and get it out as quickly as possible. But what I do see as a lack is, um, I mean, one thing that's that that can be an issue is, um, but it's being worked on with Lightning that uh, you have to be constantly online in order to monitor it. Of course, you can use watchtowers to mitigate this somewhat, and uh, with Bolt Twelve, there's stuff going on. So. It, that's that's one thing that uh, that we need to do, and then just um, yeah, the the way I see it is really that the the mobile experience needs to be smooth. Uh, it can't be that you have to at the beginning, like you mentioned before at the beginning, sure that you you are prompted at the beginning to do everything. You you should do a step by step process that only prompt the user to log in, for example, once it's needed to log in. Only prompt them to to uh, take the next steps in terms of uh, self custody when when it makes sense for them to do so. Uh, so as not to break the flow of the user, uh, things like that. And maybe to circle back to the previous question as well about trade-offs. Uh, and another reason why I think most of the things that are being built will uh, consolidate on Bitcoin is just because as long as Bitcoin remains the leader in decentralization and security, and I don't see a way that that is uh, changing, in, it's inevitable that uh, the other trade-offs can be neglected because as long as these, these two factors are still present, um, it's a feature and not a bug that uh, Bitcoin is changing slowly. It's, it's intended that there's not experimentation going on. If you want to build on a solid foundation in order to, to, yeah, to progress, because otherwise you couldn't trust the layer. And I'm much rather uh, doing some crazy uh, application that requires some additional capabilities on on something like root, rootstock or lightning than trying to get something new into the Bitcoin Core protocol, which also uh, ties back to the ordinals uh, comment. I'm not sure whether we should look at it as a as a bug or a, a feature. <laughs> Um, but uh, in the end, uh, there are valid transactions right now. Might be that they're patched out later on. Miners like them, so there's so many considerations to make. And I'm really out of my depth, honestly, to to judge this. I trust the, the core developers there, but I think most of the experimentation should happen at the lower levels and not or higher levels, la la layer twos rather than Bitcoin itself. I don't know. Sometimes for me, it's also hard if we say these things like, um, you know, Bitcoin is censorship resistance, for example, a very good uh, statement to make. Wouldn't censorship resistance also mean that crap can happen on it and it still survives? In fact, even if crap happens, it makes the whole thing stronger. At least that's my perception of, you know, how we should go about these things. 
and then at the same time, like I've been long enough into Bitcoin, uh, you could say the whole digital asset um, ecosystem, because, um, you know, I remember a time when it was like, oh, you know, block size wars, we're now going to either increase the block size. Um, then very quickly stuff came out like, oh, you know, banks can integrate and like data sets can come in. Uh, obviously never happened. There were some experimentations on there. Fees spiked. People got upset. New all time high. Dropped again. Everyone evaporated, you know, back to normal. Uh, sort of the core development took place and things improved. So I think I have more trust into the ecosystem at the moment that there will be solutions around these things. Um and yeah, you know, it teaches you stuff like proper UTXO management, for example, or um, you then have to look into scaling. So I think there's always an outlet, but obviously it is frustrating if like your main business model, for example, is dependent on, um, I don't know, the Bitcoin on-chain fees being low or um, a certain usability without actually spamming a network or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think it's just it's just trends and, and these ebb and flows and things will things will chill out a bit again we've seen the last couple of months so i think it's just um it's just a matter of time until um everyone is down from the hype and you know everyone is a bit a bit smoother on bitcoin twitter which i know is hard to believe but uh, not as crazy as it is sometimes yeah and and if you say your, your business model is dependent on fees being low there's two ways to look at this you can look at this and say okay uh, we need to change something on the on the layer, or you can look at it and say, yeah, your business model is wrong. In that case, the situation changed. Uh, you need to adapt. Uh, that's easier said than done, obviously, and it's it's harsh reality, but it's it's similar to the market in general. Uh, you you don't change uh, the market response to your offering. You just have to adapt to the market and deal with it, basically. And with Bitcoin, I think it's similar. You just have to you you have to deal with what it uh, throws at you and it's it's quite amazing that so far this has dynamically regulated itself in a way that uh, as fee spike people talk more about uh, scaling solutions as they're low they're making more use of it it's the the incentives are so amazingly aligned that <laughs> that it's yeah it's it's really really something to think about it's such a nice self-regulating system and so well thought through that yeah it's it's quite nice to watch and i'm 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 interested to see how how it will develop in the next coming years because it might be that we're now in a in a phase that really changes everything because people have been talking about institutions coming in for a while but now it might actually happen with the etf and also just in terms of the rewards uh now we're slowly getting to a, a place where fees I mean, that's also a discussion to leave that fees do have to spike if we want to still incentivize miners or the price has to rise or a combination of both. So uh, it's, it's so, in a way, it's still very young. It's Bitcoin is, is old and if it comes to track record of security and decentralization and some trends that you can observe, but in the grand scheme of things, there's still... Uh, a lot that needs to happen and that will happen and it will be very interesting to see how it plays out sometimes uh, yeah sometimes uh, you you forget in the bubble that uh, how much of a bubble it still is uh, usually when you then talk to your family or something like that then you realize that okay there's 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 still a lot of work to be done until this is mainstream and um yeah, we'll see. And the, the narrative will change over time. And also culturally, this will be a challenge because 
probably the people that have been in Bitcoin longer than I am will listen to this and think, yeah, he has no clue what he's talking about. Uh, these were the core values earlier on. And we probably have to grapple with that in uh, maybe seven, eight years years time frame that uh, the big influencers talking about bitcoin will not be uh, the same crowd that we have right now and they will also attract other people and maybe not understand the core principles we try to live by in the same way we do now uh, but i think that's just the challenge of adoption uh, and so far it again quite amazing that it has gone so smooth and that the the adoption rate is somehow manageable. If it was much quicker, it would be much more of a challenge to get people on board and have some consensus about what this thing is and what, what we can do with it. And if it was much slower, then it might have faded out already. So that that we have this, this rate that we have right now, and it seems to work out quite nicely. That's, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see. And also, what, what's also interesting there is that we there's different things that bitcoin is and everybody thinks they know what it is but the 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 what what it is changes over time as well like it is uh, an asset as well as a, a transaction network as well as a, a maybe in a couple of months or even now if you look at it in microgrids a, a cornerstone of a, the electricity system and who knows what it will evolve to over time as well um, for example there are some yeah there, there's some use cases that might not even reveal themselves until we have a broader adoption uh, for example with with wise we're doing the education but where else might these micro rewards on lightning be useful we are experimenting and we were working with the Swiss Innovation Agency to, to do a pre-study on an application in the health, uh, health sector. Uh, diabetes patients in the first days of their uh, treatment, they need to learn a lot about the disease, about their body, about how to manage it. And there as well, maybe th this is an arduous process because you have to learn stuff that you don't necessarily are intrinsically motivated to learn. And if we can sprinkle in micro rewards there, for example, it might lead to actual better health outcomes rather than uh, reading some dusty book on, on the disease. And maybe that's the kind of extra incentivation, extra motivation that you need in order to, to take that stuff seriously. And that's just one thing we're experimenting with right now. And there's many, many domains where... As I said, Bitcoin serves as the ultimate tool to align human incentives. And sometimes that can even help with, with your own incentives, like uh, the, the product that Michael Saylor talked about, uh, about employees being on time and getting a small lightning reward. There's so many things where, where money is in the equation right now, but there's no proper market to regulate it. Not, not regulated in that sense, but there's no proper incentivization scheme in place that if money is not uh, a unit that has to have a certain uh, minimal size because of transaction fees uh, to be worth it to send around, like uh, streaming money, then you th there's a whole sphere of opportunities that open up if you can really incentivize individual behaviors on a micro level and and not 
receive your, for example, not receive your salary as a as a whole batch, but really uh, dependent on individual actions. For example, I'm I'm thinking way way past what we are envisioning now, but who knows what the future will bring there. Mm. You're, you're tapping straight into my sort of deep rabbit hole that I go into constantly, um, and that is um, the human incentive side. Because we, we don't really fully understand the potential and capabilities uh, that Bitcoin can provide us. And we're, we're kind of thinking in this fiat mindset or we're, we're thinking within uh, a framework that exists today. So we, we don't quite yet understand what we're sort of developing and what our use cases might be in the future, what our incentives will, will, will be, what even is, um, you know, um, a vendor, what does that look like? So, we're stepping into the unknown and it's quite difficult to develop upon the unknown really. And we can just only sort of creep into it and test it as we go along. Um, and that, and that's what I forever find fascinating and sort of like thinking about all the time. Um, but also I'm, I'm very conscious that we're, we're running towards the end of the show. And um, I think it might be a good idea to sort of go into our all roads leap into Bitcoin challenge. And I think that's something you're familiar with. Uh, with that we do on the show um because we're trying to prove the thesis that actually all roads do lead back to bitcoin and joel and i have come up with the word fire and uh, we we want to see if you can link that back to bitcoin somehow my friend yeah i i, I can give it a shot so fire represents a technological step change in human history uh, by funneling chemical energy for the first time, this allowed humans to cook their food, which allows for a smaller digestive tract, which allowed for more brain development and really kicked human development into the next gear. And just as fire has been a step change in human technology, I think Bitcoin is the next big thing that will really allow humans to unlock new energy sources through uh, the mining incentives for one and also through aligning these human incentives that kick humanity as a civilization into the next gear and that's the analogy i would uh, take there and i would say bitcoin is the one technology that was missing to get humanity to a, a full type one civilization <laughs> is that close enough of a relationship leading back to bitcoin well, yes. It, uh, when you said when you when you premised the uh, answer to "I'll give it a go," um, I wasn't expecting something as uh, brilliant as the answer that you provided. So, yeah, that's a perfect answer. Um, well done. So, thank you for that. And yet again, all roads lead back to Bitcoin. So far, anyway, um, it's been an honor and a pleasure speaking with you. I've learned a lot uh, during this episode. And um, for people who want to reach out and maybe learn a bit more, where can they get in contact with you and what sort of things should they um, look at? Great. Yeah, sure. So um, um, if they want to learn more, first address, of course, is Wiser, our uh, mobile app where you can learn more about financial education and Bitcoin. If they want to learn more about Saynode and the services we provide also, including mobile development in com combination with Bitcoin, then the Saynode Twitter account uh, is uh, one address to look at the Saynode website, saynode.ch, and also our LinkedIn page is where we post some updates as well. So these are the addresses to reach out to. Um, always happy to talk with people about this stuff. And if if you have the great idea what is missing in the Bitcoin ecosystem, um, 
yeah, reach out to us. Uh, maybe we could build it together. That's brilliant. And uh, if any of you guys missed that, please check out the show notes. All the details are there. And thank you, Renato, for your finite time. And uh, I extend that thanks to our audience as well. Um, in the meantime, everybody, we'll see you next week and stay curious.